today on Anchored in the Word. If God's been revealed to you, Jesus Christ, it causes a change in a person's life. When there's revelation, there's a response to that revelation. And yeah, we've got to recognize that we're living in a place and a time when it's just seemingly going to hell in a handbasket. Well, folks, listen, there's a judgment coming on the world. The scriptures say that. The Antichrist is going to come into power. So those people that think that, I don't know, they think that they're going to make a heaven here on earth and our government's going to be perfect one day. It's not going to happen. But I'm This is Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey, with our pastor and teacher, Bill Beckelman. As Paul wandered through the city of Athens, his heart was broken for the lost, idolatrous men and women of the city. He was stirred to speak the truth of the gospel to them. In today's message, Pastor Bill will ask you to search your heart. God desires to reveal himself to you. Do you truly see things and people the way God sees them? At the close of Pastor Bill's message, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Anchored in the Word. Subscribe to the podcast or simply get in touch with us. Now, here's Pastor Bill in Acts chapter 17 with today's edition of Anchored in the Word. Acts 17, starting in verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak? For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of them, the Areopagus, and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. And as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar which, with this inscription, to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. 
as also some of your prophets, um, your poets have said, for we also are his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought to not think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art or men's devising and men's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed. Among them, Dionysus, the Arapagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Remember where we are. This is the, the, the context is that the Apostle Paul's on his second missionary journey. He's been chased out of two previous towns. He had to leave the last one in the middle of the night. And he's now gone to Athens by himself. And he's waiting there for his missionary team to, to come, Silas and Timothy and who else, whom else is going to come to meet him there in Athens. So he has a time there, being there by himself, a time of maybe reflection. And, um, and so we, we enter in at verse 16 and we find ourselves right there. Now, this is what I want to say to you. This is what I want us to observe in this passage today. And we're going to observe it at least two different times. One, there's going to be revelation. And then there's going to be a response to that revelation. Revelation, response. Revelation, response. What do I mean by revelation? Truth is going to be revealed. That's what we're talking about when I say revelation. People's eyes are going to be opened. That's something that God does. God's in the business of revealing truth. He's in the business of revealing his son, Jesus, who is the truth, right? But he's also in the business of wanting to let people know the truth, okay? So he's done that through his, in these last days, through his son, Jesus Christ. He's given us the truth right here. The hope is we're going through this book, that this book's going to go through us. In other words, we're going to have God reveal things to us. Our eyes are going to be opened. And then when that happens... There needs to be a response to that opening, right? There's a response to the revelation. Godly revelation, godly response. So we're going to see this whole passage is going to start off with a revelation. In other words, God's going to reveal himself to the apostle Paul. God is letting you, letting, allowing you to see things clearly the way that God sees them. Truth. Through the clear lens. You ever, those of you that wear glasses... You know, we, we kind of get, it, when your glasses get dirty, I mean, I'm a stickler for having clean eyeglasses. I got to tell you, I've got, I, I just, I have to, I have to see clearly, okay? It just really bugs me. But I've found that after a while, you can get kind of used to seeing things boggle, you know, just, you just kind of adjust to dirty glasses. And I'm going to give you a little, do this one time. My grandmother one time, she was old, she was 90 something and I was at her house and I'm looking at her glasses. I'm thinking, because I just gotten glasses and I realized this problem. I'm looking at her glasses and man, they're all they're all fogged up and everything. They're dirty. So I just said, Granny, I walked over and I took her glasses off her face and I went over to the sink and I, I, I read this somewhere. You take some dish soap and you put, you put dish soap and you, know, and you clean the oil off the glasses and I clean these things off and, and I walked over to her and I gave her to her. She puts them on she goes, whoa! Because <laughs> I know how much it blesses me when I clean my glasses and I wanted to bless her, you know what I mean? Because you get used to that stuff on your glasses. Well, that's what it's like when God gives you revelation. It's like, Whoa! 
and you see things. You thought you were seeing things, right? But now you're really seeing things, right? You're seeing things the way that they really and truly are. And that's what God desires for his people. As we walk the planet, we get to chapter 17, verse 16. That's what happened to Paul. Look what he's doing. It says, now while Paul waited, remember his missionary team, he's waiting for them to come. While he waited for them at Athens, and I wonder, what would I have been doing when I was there? I got, my, I got some free time now. Some people say, it's, it's me time, or whatever it is. There's time there, and you know, you're waiting for a missionary team, and you're there. You know, Athens. Man, I'm in Athens. I'm in New York City. What am I going to do here? I got to, you know, this, that. What, what are you going to do? I'm, well, I'm going to go here and do that, and what are, you, what are you going to do? Well, look what it says. While he waited at Athens, it says his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. He wasn't looking at the, uh, all the architecture that was there. You know, the, the, you know the, the, all the people that met there, the, the philosophers we're going to hear about, people, there was the bus, hustling, bustling city where there were things happening there, a lot of things to do there, the city that never sleeps maybe, right? I don't know. But what Paul was seeing was their spiritual condition. God allowed him to see that. It was given over to idols, he wasn't just, you know how we can do, you know, let's go to Disneyland or something and just kind of look at, it's, it's the magic kingdom. Everybody just have a good time, pretend like nothing's wrong in the world, right? Remember a story, I'm going to get too far off, but remember a guy telling the story, it was really funny, you know, he was, uh, they were doing uh, Christian music, they were going to go do a show there at the Anaheim, you know, Disneyland is in Anaheim. So, you know, we lived there. So he, he goes in, in the back gate, right? They go set up, they had to go in the back gate. And he goes in the back gate, and he sees Goofy with his head under his arm smoking a cigarette. <laughs> he told the story. He said, man, I was bummed out from that time forward, you know, because he was seeing things for how they were really were. But God allows us to do that, and it's, it's insightful to be able to see things for really what they are. You know, we're living in a world right now where we've got a lot of problems, Right? And, and people can't help but see the problems. You can't hide from them, right? You, you know, and, and, um, and they're looking at, you know, children going in and shooting up schools, you know. This is crazy. They didn't do that when I was a kid. It didn't happen, you know. I get sent to the principal for leaning back in my chair. It was a serious offense. I was leaning back in my chair. I wouldn't sit up, you know, and, and, and the teacher was worried about me slipping the chair and hitting my head. And so I didn't listen. So finally, after all the, I didn't heed all the warnings, she sent me to the principal's office. And I was in big trouble because I was leaning back in my chair. Think about that. I'm not that old, folks. I'm not thousands of years old. This, this is, look what's happening nowadays. Chewing gum in school was, was, a, was a serious offense in those days. And now we're looking at what's happening in schools and the disobedience, the rebellion in the hearts of men. And we're thinking, we've got to got to arm the teachers. That's the problem. Then we got to keep this thing. Or you get what I'm saying? They're looking for solutions to the problems, but they're looking in the wrong places because they don't have spiritual eyeglasses. They're not seeing things for the way they were. It's not the gun control we need. It's self-control. It's the person behind the gun is the problem. They're the one that pulled the trigger and, and had wanted to put harm on people, right? You see, the, you see what I'm saying? I'm not going to talk for or against guns. That's not the point. I'm just saying self-control is what God talks about in the word. Somebody that knows God and walks with God does not do things like that. 
somebody that understands the universe for what it, the way it really is. If God's been revealed to you, Jesus Christ, it causes a change in a person's life. When there's revelation, there's a response to that revelation. And yeah, we've got to recognize that we're living in a place and a time when it's just we're seemingly going to hell in a handbasket. Well, folks, listen, there is a judgment coming on the world. The scriptures say that. The Antichrist is going to come into power. So those people that think that, I don't know, they think that they're going to make a heaven here on earth and our government's going to be perfect one day. It's not going to happen until the Lord comes back and sets up his government. So what do we do? What do we do while we're waiting? Well, we seek God, revelation, and we seek to respond to that revelation. Here's what I want to say to you again, is that Paul realized that he had the remedy for the problem. He didn't just look at this and go, man, I got to go on CNN or I got to go on uh, MSNBC. I'm going on Fox News and I'm going to talk about this. We're going we're to rail on somebody. We're going to make somebody the, 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 the object of our, you know, just <laughs> pick on somebody. And somehow that's fixing something. But you've got the fix. We've got the fix. We, we have the remedy. Paul had the remedy. Look what he did. Verse 17, therefore, because of that, because of he saw the condition of what was going on, he saw the spiritual condition of the people, he reasoned in the synagogue. He realized that this is the answer. This is how you change the world. This is how you address situations. It started in the church, in the synagogue, in that sense. He says he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers. He went in. That was his habit. That was his... That was what he did. He went into a place and he found the synagogue if they had one, and he would go in there and speak from the scriptures. And what was he speaking about? It's not just about good living, how not to shoot your neighbor. It's Jesus Christ died for your sins, and then he rose from the dead. He is the Messiah. Jesus is the answer. When he comes into a person's life, when he reveals himself to a person, man, your life changes. Is that your testimony? It's mine. He's in the business of changing people's life, revealing himself. You see, there will be no one that will be able to stand on judgment day when they're standing before God and say, you just didn't show me. I don't know why you showed them, but you didn't show me. It says the books are going to be opened. And it's all going to be for, their, for them to see. And I believe when that's happening, God's going to show them how many times he revealed himself to them, how many times he tried to reach out to them. You remember the story I've told you before. I was having a conversation with God several years back. And for some reason, I got it in my mind, I'm thinking, and I was saying, Lord, because I wasted a lot of time in my life from the time that I really realized that Jesus was real. And I wasted a lot, like 17 years or whatever it was, just going around the desert, whatever I was doing. And I would, one day, several years back, I'm saying, Lord, this is after I'd come back to the Lord. And I said, how come you didn't send somebody my way? I wasn't mad at him. I, I, I wasn't putting it on him. But I'm thinking, I know you. You send people. I've done it. I've been involved in you know, connecting the, the, of the dots. I've seen people. It happen in people's lives all the time. You're sending people there. How come you never sent anybody to me? I, you know, I was out there thinking I knew what I was talking about, and I didn't. And I got to tell you something. The moment those words came out of my mouth, I had a thought in my brain of the, my upstairs neighbors and the, and the time when, when they reached out to me and I went up in the, they, they were reading from the Bible and it seemed like there was this 
this, and now I know, this bubble around us, and it was like this, this unbelievable experience was happening. They had the word open. They were just reading the word to me, and there was this God thing happening. And I'd forgotten about that. I totally forgot about it. How can you forget something like that? I forgot about it. But God was saying, hey, I did. <laughs> and there may have been more. That was enough, though. That was convicting enough. Just one. And he wasn't trying to beat me up with that. He was saying, yeah, you're right. I would do that. And I did it. I gave you revelation, man. That was, I knew in my, in my, my condition I was in, that was a God thing that was happening right there. And I knew it. And these people invited me to church. You live right, you know, in the apartment right above me. Then you want to go to church with us? No, no, I was too busy. I, you know, I had a busy life in those days. I played basketball all, all the time. I remember sitting, me and my friends would come over and we, this is, you know, you know what we were doing? We, we'd sit there and smoking pot and we got a, an empty two liter Coke bottle and we're playing, you know, volleying it around the room. Well, that was really, better do that than go to church. You know what I mean? I remember times, you know, times like that, that's what we did for fun. And it was fun, apparently, you know, wasting that time. And there, now again, we thought that was life because it was life. That wasn't life. I, I wanted to do stuff like that rather than go to church with the people upstairs. And so there was a response to the way that I was living. I, I just lived the life. But what we see here is Paul went to work and he said, I know what to do. I'm going to go give them Jesus. So he gave it to them in the synagogue. And then it says, look, else, look what else it says. And in the marketplace daily. And in the marketplace daily. The marketplace of ideas. They had the marketplace of ideas in that place. People would sit around. And there's, there's places in London that still do this. People go and they, they give speeches. And you know, people gather and listen to people and do different things and stuff over there. And, and maybe there, you know, I know there's in California there were places like that. Venice Beach. People are doing weird stuff there too. Um, just gathering together, you know, one of the, we're not, we don't do that a whole lot anymore necessarily in our culture because of our cell phones and our the social media stuff that we have. But he went there. He, he went to where the people were gathering, and it says that in the marketplace daily with those who happen to be there. And this idea of just people when they happen to be there, they're, they're God appointments. They're, there's no such thing as a, as a coincidence. It was a God incident. So Paul knew that he had the fix and he could, he could change this city by talking to one person, just telling one person about Jesus. You know, we had, we had a man that just went to be with the Lord, Billy Graham, right? And I don't, know, I don't know what the number is for how many people have heard his preaching. I mean, it's maybe billions. You know, he had one, apparently one place at, a, at, a, at, a, at an airport. They didn't have a place big enough. 1.1 million people at one service. 1.1, you know how many people that is? At one service, somebody said they look at a picture, there was heads just as far as you could see. And you're thinking, wow, wow, unbelievable. God really used him. And by the way, your next door neighbor may be the next Billy Graham that needs to hear about Jesus. Bill would be the first to tell you it wasn't so much this great orator. It was that it was the one that gave him the message. He gave the simple message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for your sins. And he rose from the dead. He's resurrected. In other words, he's alive. And you can have a personal relationship with him. You can live with him for all eternity if you'll just give your life to him, if you'll just turn from your sins and turn to him. That was his message. Some, you know, how many billions of people or whatever, 
I, I just saw an in, a, a interview of Billy from 2010, because Billy's been incapacitated for quite some time. You know that, right? And I read by someone said he was in and out of a coma or in and out of consciousness for the last several months. But he died at home in Montreat, but he went to be with the Lord from Montreat. But 2010, which is what, eight years ago now, there was an interview given by Billy. He was an old man then. He was 92 at the time. And he had that, still had a nice head of gold, of, of, of the silver hair. And, and he looked old, but yet sharp. And, and a great question was asked by this interview. This is a great question to ask anybody, especially an older person in 92. This was the question. Do you have any regrets? Billy Graham, can you imagine asking Billy Graham, are there any regrets? And you know what Billy said? And it's interesting to me because, as I've already stated, when you think of Billy Graham, I think of all the people that he preached the gospel to and how many people came to Christ as a result of him and all these people. And it seems impressive to, to man of that, wow, right? This is what Billy said. Yeah, he says, I have some regrets. If I had it to do over again, I wouldn't have taken as many speaking engagements. Isn't that what we're talking about? Isn't that how we were kind of judging the great Billy Graham by how many people that he spoke to? He said, I wouldn't have taken as many speaking engagements. But then he said, he said, I would have spent more time in meditation and prayer with the Lord. And then he, he said, I would have just told him how much I loved him. I would have just sat with him and told him, just wanted to sit with him in meditation and tell the Lord how much I love him. Wow. I was getting revelation by watching that. Thinking at the end of his, you know, this was again in 2010. And I thought about it later. I said, yeah, well, being bedridden is a lot of time for meditation, isn't it? No more speaking engagements after that. I'm not saying, you get what I'm saying? I'm sure he had that. God answered his prayer. God gave him all that he could handle in that idea of, I'm sure, just meditating with the Lord. Because, by the way, that's what's going to happen when we're in eternity. We'll be able to sit and tell the Lord how much we love him. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 but, you know, we don't have time for that, do we? We are so busy. We're such a busy time doing this and doing that. That's what was happening in Athens. That's one of the things that happens that the devil uses is we're too busy. We're too busy for all this stuff. We're too busy. We got to go here. We got to go there. Even if you're Billy Graham and to go there, you're not just going there on vacation. You're going there to preach the gospel. But Paul found himself in the midst of this idol worship. He saw the condition of the people and he went right to it and he had to go tell them about Jesus. He had to tell them about Jesus. And I would say to you, verse 16, by the way, doesn't happen. You don't read about that in the Bible. This is specific revelation about where you are, where you're at. God opened his eyes and showed him behind the scenes of, the, of what was going on in that city. And then he had the means to do something about it. Finding community in a church is such an important part of growing in faith. It's hard to do this life alone and especially hard to follow Jesus in a hostile and evil world. Walking in faith is made a little easier when you know you have the support of your church family, people who are walking similar roads with similar flaws. As we've learned from this study in the book of Acts, a church is also a great place to put your God-given gifts into service for the Lord. You can build up your brothers and sisters in Christ in ways unique to you. If you haven't found a church to call home yet, we hope you will look for one today. 
Are you in the Eatontown area? If so, you're invited to come check out the church this program is a part of, Calvary Chapel Coastlands. We meet each Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. to seek Jesus in the pages of Scripture and spend time in worship. We'd love to have you join us as we learn more about our Savior. Find out more and get directions by visiting our church website, cccoastlands.org. While you're on our website, you'll be able to access several of Pastor Bill's past messages, connect with us on Facebook, and download our mobile app to take the messages of Anchored in the Word with you on the go. That website again is cccoastlands.org. That's all for today. Join us next time to learn more from Acts, Pastor Bill's verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study. We pray that you would continue to be moored in sound doctrine and anchored in the Word.